Did you know that you could earn ASHA CEUs for listening to these podcast episodes? I think this might be the most fun and most convenient way to earn CEUs ever. Whether you are sitting by your pool during quarantine or uh, trying to fill your commutes once we head back into a normal life here, uh, the opportunities are endless and it's so incredibly convenient. And the best part is if you use the code TALKING20, you get $20 off the PodCourse membership. That is a steal. So if you're interested in getting started, head to speechtherapypd.com slash teletherapy. Uh, click the button at the top of the page to become a member, and then just scroll down to the PodCourse membership section and click that white button. Can't wait to see you in all of the future courses. Hello and welcome to Talking Teletherapy. This is a weekly webinar and podcast from speechtherapypd.com where we dive into the ins and outs of teletherapy for speech language pathologists. Each episode of Talking Teletherapy is worth 0.1 ASHA CEUs when you complete the accompanying webinar on speechtherapypd.com. Please visit speechtherapypd.com slash teletherapy for more information about earning ASHA CEUs along with this podcast. I'm Marisha and I am your host this week. And without further ado, let's dive in and talk all things teletherapy. Okay, here we go. Um, so I am really excited for today's talking teletherapy session. Um, I am going to be chatting with Rachel Bakey, and she is an SLP in the trenches. Uh, sh she'll share a little bit about her story, um, but I'm especially excited about today's talk because, um, like I said, she's in the trenches. She's learning this as we are. Um, and I just love Rachel's approach to her therapy and just her, like, um, she just seems like she's a super engaging and fun therapist. And that shows through um, in how she teaches other SLPs as well. Um, so she's an amazing problem solver. And I can't wait to see um, what she has for us today. So hello, Rachel. And it looks like you're still muted. There we go. Awesome. Yeah, so I can hear you. We're good to go. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I cannot wait to hear all of the things that you've been up to and just figuring this out. Um, you're, like, I uh, invited you here because I saw you sharing a bunch of different ideas and just your experience on Instagram stories. Um, and I just loved everything that you had to share there. And it's, we have to see this. Um, so super excited. Yeah, I mean, I've really just been learning along the way, and I think that's something that has been um, or has been helpful. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I think it's been helpful that I've just sort of been trial and error from the very beginning. Um, I think like a lot of SLPs, when everything went down and started shutting down, I think I was in denial of, oh, well, I'm not going to do teletherapy. It'll be fine. Like, this will blow over. 
and it didn't blow over. And before I knew it, I was having to provide therapy services to my little preschoolers. Um, and it's, you know, just trying to learn along the way. So when you asked me, you know, to present on this and I, I'm not a teletherapist, but I'm a SLP that is providing therapy through teletherapy. And I'm learning, you know, I've learned a lot of really great uh, tips and tricks and, um, you know, and it hasn't been, you know, crash and burn. It's been decent. So um, it's kind of nice to have another, you know, trick in your tool belt, um, mm -hmm. so to speak. So, yeah, no, and I love it. And I love how you like mix and match all sorts of different things, like using the elements that you would normally use in your sessions, plus some new little added tricks here and there. Um, so I'm super excited to dive into those. Um, but before we do that, uh, just because you mentioned preschool, but what ages do you work with? So I primarily work with the preschool age, um, about three to five. And truly that's because, um, you know, I, I work now part-time for a private practice where I commute to either the daycare, the preschool, or the home. Um, and so I am mainly just seeing that age because that's who is available during the day, you know, during daytime hours because I can't go into a public school. So, um, but it's always been my, my thing and I have a preschooler myself. And so I've always just really kind of gravitated to that age and, um, and I love it. Um, so yeah, that's what, and even before when I was working in the schools, I still always seem to have the bigger caseload with the preschool little ones. So, but three to five is usually the age. <laughs> Awesome. And then, so what did, because you kind of told us a little bit about what services used to look like for you. So you traveled between a couple different settings. Um, so what does that look like now? Are you doing all teletherapy or is there a mix? And kind of how has that evolved? It's It's been only teletherapy. They just recently um, opened back up to where we can see some kids face to face, but it has to be at the clinic. Um, and cause the schools are all, obviously all the daycares and schools are closed and, um, nobody wants you going into their home. <laughs> so, um, I haven't been doing any of the face-to-face -face therapy yet. I've just been doing teletherapy and unfortunately, you know, a handful of services were had to be put on hold and that's sort of the, the nature of the piece of private therapies because a lot of it's out of pocket, which means, um, it, you know, it, times are tough right now. <laughs> so. But right now I'm doing just teletherapy. Um, and then I guess we'll see how things go. I'm ready to get back to face-to-face. -to -face, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And how has the transition been? Because uh, I know it was super challenging at first. Um, it was. It was, um, you know, and it's, I always, at first I was thinking, oh, I'm so, I feel so bad for all the grad students and the CFY and everyone that's having to do this. But it's equally as hard of being like, teaching an old dog new tricks like it was you know you've been doing therapy for a certain way for so long and um I started to realize just how stubborn and stuck in my way I was because I was so used to just you know I'd been doing it forever and I and having to rethink again all right how can I make this work um and then also not get down on myself when some sessions were you know a bust <laughs> so um it's been just learning you know new things. I think the hardest thing right now, and I know that everybody can say this, is just um, juggling um, the working from home when everybody else is home. Um, that's 
been a huge challenge and I've had to kind of figure out how to, uh, you know, make that work. <laughs> so, yeah. And it sounds like you, know. you have some pretty creative strategies. Like, do you mind sharing a little bit about um, what's worked or maybe what hasn't worked as well? <laughs> well, if I'm being honest, I just had to do this. <laughs> I, um, we have gardeners that come and they cut all of the houses and I have just been doing Google Translate of to ask them to skip our house because of the noise and it's so loud and I had to get my friend to see if that letter was good. Um, it's just crazy and putting signs on your front door and, and you know I say please don't ring the doorbell or knock the door knock on the door or even look at the door because my dogs will start barking and um, you know you have to just kind of think ahead of anything that could truly just you know get in your way <laughs> but and I think it does get in the way and it gets in the way. Um, you know, there's only so much that you can truly control. And in, at all SLPs, you know, I feel like we're trained to be able to know how to navigate that situation of something not going right in the middle of your session. So it's just different things now. Yeah. New challenges. Yeah. That keeps us on our toes, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'd love to chat a little bit about just like, different types of strategies. So, cause there's a lot of things that we're navigating now. It's just working from home and having like all of like the gardeners and all of the distractions, like the doorbell. Um, but we also have other people at home. So like, do you have any favorite strategies or things that have worked in kind of making that work? How, how to work with having everybody. So I have my daughter who's um, a preschooler and I've had to, almost um prep her before a session like I would you know with the kids in the session so it's very much of you know that mommy has to go into this room and you cannot come into the you know you can't come in until I come back out and if we you know I have to do like a reward system of like if you don't come in here then we can go you know drive to Starbucks or something <laughs> drive and go get some ice cream somewhere you know something um but and a lot of it has been especially at the beginning um when my husband was home of just, uh, we were having to literally sit down, you know, the night before and, and map out who was doing what. Um, Cause he is um, a dentist, but he was doing teledoc sessions. So he was, but his is very much more on call. And um, I was having to say like, I have sessions from here to here, here to here, I need it to. So we would trade off a lot, which was easier than it is now. <laughs> so. Yeah, so communication is key. Just, and I love that idea of like connecting the night before and like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what he needs to do. And then just making that work. That's mm -hmm. awesome. And, I, and then behavior systems. Yeah. Behavior systems, you know, on your, your own kids, which usually don't work. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I have a friend who, you know, with managing her schedule, they have a whiteboard. Um, and the night before, especially when the kids were doing distance learning, all of these Zoom calls that everybody seemed to have at the same time, and she would write out on the whiteboard, at this time, this is going on, and just to try to keep it, you know, uh, keep it all together, because it's some of these parents that have all of these different Zoom calls, you know, that they have to log into. It's a lot to manage, so I think yeah. everybody has to kind of put it all out there and, and say, oh, this is what's going on, and then give each other grace when it, you know, doesn't work. Yeah, awesome. No, and that's super helpful. And then um, what about when it comes to like when, 
do you feel like you use the same strategies that you use when the session doesn't go as planned or is there anything unique that came up um, just in the teletherapy setting? I guess there's the additional tech elements that come in. <laughs> um, I think the same thing is, you know, when you're going into a session with a preschooler, you have to have a ton of different options. You cannot be set in stone of what you have planned. And it's really disheartening when you plan all this, put all this time into planning a session and then it doesn't go according to what you wanted, but you just have to have like a long backup. I know I have a long table here and I just lay it all out. And if it's not working, you really have to read the, the screen, so to say, and be able to see, are, am I losing their attention and then I need to switch over. Um, another thing that I've realized is, you know, and all kids are different, but the more technology that I try to bring into it, the less, it almost seems like it, um, it's, I can't keep them as engaged because I'm either trying to click back and forth between the screens and screen sharing and this and that, or, um, or they're not able to actually um, have control because they're little, they don't know how to use the mouse. And I would just, I feel like I have less control of my sessions that way. So um, it's exhausting because you're on full speed, but um, I've just sort of realized that I needed to, um, with the preschoolers, less technology sometimes seems to be the best. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the ways to, like what that would actually look like. So what can we do uh, within our teletherapy platform to keep things interactive and engaging for the preschoolers? Um, so one of the things that you mentioned um, in your stories was like, going back to the basics. So what does that look like for you? So going back to the basics of, you know, I know not all therapists feel the same, and I honestly truly didn't until a couple years ago, but something that seems to make it easy for me is um, like pick a theme, and then off of the theme, pick a book, and then you can do an activity, and it makes it easier to try to make it streamlined instead of just throwing all these random things at them. Um, I think that if you pick a theme and then start with a book, that usually works. Um, I usually I'm reading a book, but I've also, there's books, which you get a free year um, subscription to right now. So that's always a great option um, to start. And it's interesting to them and it keeps their attention. Um, and it's, it's what I've always done. So I think it also depends on what we started off with. I always start my sessions books. So it, they're just familiar with it. Yeah. And then for those of or for the people listening who aren't familiar with Vooks, what is it? So Vooks is a online um, storytelling app, I guess you could say. Um, and it has a ton of different book titles, but what it is is that the, the stories are almost animated. And what I still like about it is that there's still the print, it's still showing what is being said, but you know, it's moving a little bit. Um, and I think it's a great option for teletherapy. Face-to-face -face therapy, I'm just such a hardcore believer in actual books, you know, the, the paper books. That is what I just am so passionate about. But when we have now come into this situation, I, the books has definitely been a great attention grabber. Um, and they have a ton of different options. And for speech therapists, even if you don't work in a, it's for teachers, the year subscription, but if you don't work in a school, it's, it's okay. You can just put the company that you work for um, in the school name. So that was something else that I learned. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's B-O-O-K-S. And I think it's just books.com, right? 
books.com. So it's like books, but it's with a V. Yeah. Um, like video books. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, there's also YouTube. There's a ton of, you know, stories being read on YouTube. You always just have to be careful about, um, what else you're, you know, what can be popping up in commercials and, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely preview the videos. And um, there are some cool, like I think it's Edpuzzle. It's a way that to pull in the YouTube videos. And I believe if you pull it in there, then they don't show you the different ads and things like that. Um, so that can, I, there, I'm sure there's other tools out there too, but that yeah. can be a nice option. Definitely. I'll just type that in too. Um, okay, awesome. And then, uh, so like, let's kind of, let's talk through um, some different like session ideas and what that would actually look like. Like I can see in the background, some of your themed bins, like, do you still use those or? Right before this and it's, um, <laughs> you know, there's stuff everywhere. <laughs> um, there, there, I know that a lot of the therapists came into a situation where they didn't have their materials. Um, and so when I was trying to think of ideas of what I can share um, without having all your materials, because it is an unusual situation that I happen to have everything in my house. Um, and so, you know, that was helpful, but you don't always have to have that. I think the biggest thing that is handy is being able to annotate through your teletherapy platform. Um, it seems like most of them have at least the annotating feature. Um, and I know a lot of people have been sharing about using a spinner, a digital spinner, which a great one is toytheater.com. And you can use a spinner, whereas, you know, pull up any type of all your PDFs that you've always used um, in your sessions, and it, you can pull this up on your screen and use an annotating feature for it. So, something that I have done that does not require an expensive gadget or anything. And if you've done the spinner a couple times, you know that you can truly only do things a couple times before you've lost the kid's interest. Um, but construction paper is a good idea. Tissue boxes where you just take out all the tissues. And I've used these in person therapy because we would do this, you know, with um, like pronouns, you know, do you want to give to him or do them or all these different character boxes, but you throw things in the tissue box. So you can you know, say, okay, okay, what color am I gonna pull out? And you pull out orange, and then that's the color that they have to color on their little sheet. Um, my kids, I thought never work because I didn't think that I would keep them engaged and it still worked of them watching me color a PD. Um, and so use construction paper, and this can be something that you don't have to you know, you might just have in your house. And if you don't have construction paper in your house, then get markers and put it on a piece of paper, that type of thing. Um, and it's always helpful to communicate with the parent at a time. I know that not everybody has, um, it's, it's not that easy for a lot of cases, but you can just brainstorm with the parent and say, you know, let's, I wanna give you some ideas of how we can try to keep you know, the child engaged, because they want the child engaged just as much as we do. Um, and so I've said, do you have any construction paper in your house? And they, um, I would tell her that, you know, okay, so when we have our session, can you lay the construction paper out on the floor next to him? And then he can just throw a ball. And then I'd be like, okay, what color did it land on? And then we can come back and color 
our worksheet for that. So um, anything like that with construction paper is always an easy thing that doesn't cost money. Um, and it's helpful with parents. And truly, I mean, some parents might even be able to put this together for you. If you say, do you have a tissue box that maybe you could use for our sessions and get them to put the stuff inside the box for you. But you know, I know that it's not always um, easy to get that type of involvement, but sometimes, and sometimes they're wanting to truly, you know, have a good session as well. Cause they don't want to chase the kid around when they're trying to get them to sit in front of the computer. So um, anything where they throw something onto a paper, getting them up, you cannot sit the whole time. Cause it's, it's not, um, they haven't had to do that before, so. Yeah, that's perfect. And I love the idea of involving the parents in the prep because if they're more involved in that, then like they're, I mean, they're with these kids all day, all week. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if they're involved in that, it's like, oh, let's, that was fun. Let's do that thing again and let's practice our speech or our language goals. Mm -hmm. uh, so it can be like, it's kind of a blessing in disguise um, and just getting them involved and helping with that generalization. Yes, yes, and it's being able to, um, you know, sometimes I'll email the, you know, the PDF to them. Um, I know, it, it, like, or email the picture of the words or whatever that you're working on, and if they can print it out, it almost gives them a little bit of power and control that they're taking charge of the session, because you have to, from the very beginning, be like, we're going to do this together, and we're going to try to figure out how to make this work. Um, and so I've had parents cut up their own cards and then stick them around the room. And I'm truly there to be providing the skilled service of, you know, working on the speech or language or whatever goal that we're working on. Um, and so, and it is a little bit different with the situation that I'm in because a lot of my kids, I know I've been, I've known their parents for a couple of years, you know, because I go into a lot of the, the homes, but, um, you know, some of them I haven't because I see the kid in the preschool and I haven't seen the parents ever until teletherapy. So, um, but yeah, I mean, never underestimate how much, you know, the parent involvement really can be. And then also be prepared if they can't or if they're not able to do it last minute because they're probably working. They've also got all the other siblings at home. Um, so you, you can't put all your trust into that activity <laughs> or that situation. Yeah. And do you have any other like strategies or tips when communicating with parents? For me, it's always been, um, my parents like to text. Um, and that's how I am as well. I think I find that easier. So I'm, you know, we'll be, we'll text and I'll even say, I just sent you an email. Do you think you could print out that paper before our session tomorrow? Um, because they might not be checking their email as fast. Um, I know that sometimes if you have just this massive case and you don't want to personal number out. You can use um, Google numbers, I believe it's, is that right? Yeah, um, Google Voice. Yes, and so you can, and that kind of gives you a, like a fake phone number for your, and that way, you know, but a lot of parents at the very beginning, whenever I get a new kid, I always say, what is your, they communicate, email, um, go forth. Yeah, no, and that makes a huge difference. This wasn't with preschoolers when I discovered it I was working in the schools but I would try so hard to contact parents just by phone because that's what I had in my office um, mm -hmm. and then 
I realized that the teachers were using a communication app. Um, it was uh, Remind is what it was called. And yeah. like, just like people just, I guess in today's day and age, they'll respond to a text in like two seconds. But if it's a phone call or a voicemail, it takes so much longer. So it's super interesting. Using that makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm way more a fan of texting or emailing. I just, yeah. it's way easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And that's a really great strategy, especially with all of the craziness happen happening now. Um, and especially because we need our parents to um, help keep these kiddos engaged. Right. That's a really important strategy. Okay, awesome. Um, so like, would you, cause we are, we have some questions about like the annotating and the coloring, like, would you be able to give an example of what that looks like? Um, have, I know we don't, you might not have it pulled up. Let's see. I actually, yes. Let me see if I can. So let me. My kids now are all used to my desktop always being so crazy. So they're always like, look at all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let me screen share. And I'll just go ahead and um, screen share this part. So for instance, this is, you know, a spinner that I have that is with one of my things, but what you can do is you can use this, the colored spinner on toytheater.com. And so down here, you'll see where it has, um, where you can see where it has like all the different colors. And this is for Zoom. I don't know, I'm not sure about the other um, programs, but it seems like most of the teletherapy platforms have an annotating feature. And so that's what I would use to, you know, color on top of it. So for instance, if I'm going to annotate up here and then color, and you just draw. And so we're just drawing, drawing, drawing. And then if you, once you let go, it kind of goes to like a lighter color. And then that's what we would do. And my kids are always, um, it, I've, done at least, you know, this drawing on something for, you know, many sessions. Um, it never really seems to get that old. You just have to switch up the thing that is going to um, pick the color for you, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, and so you can do the spinner, you can do picking a color out of the box, you can, they can just tell you um, anything. So it's, and that way I'm still using the PDFs that I've always sort of, you know, kind of brought in We get whiteboard markers or something on there. So it was still a little bit familiar. I just had to get a little bit, you know, more creative, I guess, with it. But, you know, you can do that with story maps or um, any of those things or just your basic, you know, um, workbooks that have your Arctic words on there. It all depends on what you're used to using. Yeah, awesome. That's super helpful. I'm not sure. There are a ton of annotating apps um, that you can also use. So just annotating just basically means that you're drawing on the computer. And so um, it's always just, just by Googling it, you can see tons and tons of different ways that you can draw on the computer. No, that's awesome. That looks super fun too. I love that <laughs> spinner, all the unicorns. <laughs> oh, no, 
anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> like anything to get their attention. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, awesome. And then, so, because you talked about, because I know not all of us have our, like, have access to our materials, but if we do, because I mean, if we, a lot of us purchase things on Teachers Pay Teachers, um, so we can definitely use those. And you just showed an example of how you can just use any regular PDF and use mm-hmm. the annotation tools in whichever platform to make that more engaging. Um, but what about, like, have you used your other physical materials and how do you make that work? I pretty much always use my physical materials. Um, I use it for at least every session. I'm still pulling out something that is somewhat familiar with them. A big thing that I know a lot of people have, are sharing and talking about are, um, you know, I always say my mini container because I have insane hoarding collection of them. But if you happen to have any of the Easter eggs, those plastic little Easter eggs, um, those are just golden. And I think the biggest thing that I always want to remind everybody is that if you are spending money on anything, try to ensure that it's something that you're going, it's not just the impulse purchase for right now, that it's still something you can use down the road. So if you're going to buy a physical material, that it's something that you know that you want to use when you're back to being face to face. Same with digital products, if it's something that you still want to use down the road. But um, as far as, you know, the mini containers or the mini eggs, I've, you know, had these for, this has always been something. And I'm surprised because my kids loved these when we were doing, you know, in person um, because it's a great busy hand activity where their hands are busy and then they're having to open the egg and then, you know, I'll have a little object or I'll have a piece cut up, you know, picture in there or something. Um, And I was hesitant to use them for teletherapy because I was thinking, why on earth would they care? They can't touch it, but they do. And um, it's always amazing to me that they are so intrigued and you have to kind of amp it up and you're, you know, okay, this is the egg. And then, you know, shake, shake, shake and tell them to, you know, say shake, shake, shake. And then, you know, we're opening the egg and then, you know, I'm doing it on the camera for them. And as soon as I bring these out, all of a sudden their little faces get closer to the camera and they're trying to see what I have. And it's always just a little item, a object. Um, so this is something that was dollar store maybe, um, but I know that everybody cannot go out and, and you know, to all the stores yet. Um, but even on Amazon, Easter plastic Easter eggs, um, orientaltrading.com has the best themed eggs. Um, and this is something that you will use once if you end up going to in-person therapy as well. And it doesn't get old. Um, so I just have a random assortment. I have an Olaf egg and, you know, and you just shake, 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 and then open, close, you know, it's stuck. And then it, it, whatever goal you're working on, we were just doing yes blends this morning. So it's like stuck. And then they would have to, you know, say stuck. And then, then we would get our little object out. Um, as far as little objects go, they are just pieces of gold, you know, for um, working with preschoolers. I am such a big believer in um, using all these little objects and it doesn't have to be anything fancy. I mean, these are buttons, little buttons that you can get at like, you know, Walmart or Hobby Lobby. Um, But if you don't have that, you can use, I kind of went through, because my, you know, you have to always mix it up. Um, I know a lot of therapists, we all have tons of the mini erasers 
but I went through all the mini erasers and I grabbed like one or two of each one. So now I have a box of just a variety of the different erasers and um, that kind of, you know, so there's like a Halloween spider with the stars and the planets and it's all just a mixture of items. Um, another way that you can um, get, I have magnets um, in here. It's all just different things that have a basic picture because if you are working on either naming or categorizing or describing, um, compare and contrast, all kinds of things, you can truly work on a variety of goals with this. Or if you are at a phrase level um, for articulation, then that's always great, you know, um, to I see, and then you can do whatever your little item is. But um, there are tons of different ways. You can get many objects on Amazon. You can get them through, there's Speech Tree Co., I believe is, the, is, is her shop. And then there's also Dads. Those are two big um, stores that sell many objects. Again, I, I highly recommend the, you know, buying those things for preschoolers because it works on teletherapy and it works in person-to-person -person, um, interactions. Another way that I've done physical materials while also using the little objects, and this was another idea that I, you know, saw on Instagram and it did, um, Rebecca from Adventures in Speech Pathology, but we just hold it up. Here's a, a box of beans and I would truly just say, okay, my hand's moving, my hand's moving, where is it going? Tell me when to stop. And then I would dig and you can even play it up. Oh, it's stuck, it's stuck, I can't get it out. And then, you know, I got it out. Um, and so you can show the little mini objects that way. So yes, Speech Tree Co is, I believe that's her um, handle for, and she has them by sound. I think Dinky Doodads might also, um, but um, they have them by sound as well. Um, but again, it's something that is, that you'll use for your whole caseload. And that's usually what I always try to recommend is um, making sure that, you know, what you're pulling out for your sessions that you can try to use it for your couple sessions back to back so that you're not just drowning in all your, all your stuff. Oh, that's awesome. I love those ideas. Um, and then you also mentioned, so you had like the little eggs and then kind of the mini sensory bin. You also talk about like using objects in bags too, sometimes, right? Um, yes. So you can just do it and just, uh, any kind of bag. You can even like a brown lunch paper bag. Um, it's like an old, you know, grad school activity that I used to do of coloring, quickly getting a marker and coloring on the outside of a, a brown paper bag and be like, which bag do you want me to pick from, the blue bag or the red bag? And then you can pull out an item or a card or anything else like that. Um, and don't be afraid to even use your art, you know, whatever cards that you used to use in therapy. Um, you just have to hold it up. But I just, I have noticed that, that I have just, you know, my big face on the screen versus me clicking back and forth. Um, it, it lets me feel a little bit more in control as well with the session because they're busy and I need to be able to see them like, um, instead of just tiny in the corner while I'm trying to click through something. Um, that's sort of what has worked. <laughs> no, I, that makes sense. 
Um, and then you also said that you got some inspiration from YouTube uh, for the like unboxing activities. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And, and maybe that was just an idea that you tried and maybe it didn't work so well. I don't know. Um, well, that's, I, that's sort of what gave me the push to take out all my regular materials and my, the mini eggs and stuff, because I think any parent unfortunately has experienced at least once or twice of seeing their kid like amazed by these YouTube shows where they're like unboxing toys or it's, it's bizarre phenomenon, but these little kids on YouTube are millionaires from it. And all they're doing is they're just like unwrapping presents, like unwrapping toys. And then they get these tiny little objects. Um, and once I realized that that was really, um, that grabbed, you know, my daughter's attention, I thought I would give it a shot in my own teletherapy sessions and it, and it does work. And I don't know why, but it does. <laughs> so, um, that's why I think that these little eggs, you know, they really kind of help because I would put them in here and I would jumble around and then I would pull egg and it doesn't have to be animal eggs. It can even just be regular. Um, and then start opening it up. Um, and so that it keeps their attention. Um, and I think it's like almost research. If you go out and watch these YouTubes that these kids are really into, you will first of all get very mad by how rich these little kids are getting by doing these, you know, mindless activities, but it's super interesting. Um, and I think that's always kind of part of our feel to see, you know, even before I had my own child, I was still watching some of the kid movies to see what the characters were and stuff. So it's the same thing to see what are these big shows on YouTube and what are they doing that, you know, surely I can do it as well. <laughs> so. And I think it's all in how we present it. Cause I can be like, okay, I have an egg. What do you think is in it? Like I could make it very just like, but, and then they're going to go off and do their own thing. But it's like, if we, it's like in how we present it too, then they're like, oh, that is exciting. Yes, it is. If we're excited about it, they will be too. Yes. I think that, um, you know, I'll even catch myself where I just maybe so kind of over the top of I'm shaking the eggs. Which one should I do? Which one should I do? Okay, shake, shake, shake. And I'm holding it up and all these things. And then I'll realize I'll look over and, you know, my daughter's like standing in the doorway, just staring at me. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it catches, catches their attention. Um, and so. I don't know, but I also think that to not put so much pressure on yourself, if you're not feeling over the top extroverted that day, that it's okay. Um, you know, I think that the very first session when you introduce it is when you gotta be like all over the place, but then it's okay if you're exhausted. You can just be like, remember our eggs, what do we say? Oh, shake, 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 shake. And then which one should I open up? And then they're requesting and they're asking and, um, and stuff. So um, it's, it's an easy kind of activity that you can kind of use many different ways. I always want to stress that, yes, you have to have a ton of energy and be very engaging for preschoolers, um, but it's most important for the very first time you're introducing an activity. And then don't put so much pressure on yourself. Um, you can see my internet's going in and out. It's all good. We can hear. Okay. Um, so, so we talked about some of some different go-to activities, like still using 
well, using our digital activities and just annotating them. We talked about like using the cards that we already have and little objects, just those, any of those kind of eggs or other toys, uh, paper bags, paper, all that good stuff. Do you have any other like favorites and go-tos that have been especially popular? Um, yeah, you know, um, something that, something that I started using right before we weren't able to do, but this is a slipper, um, <laughs> slipper from Walmart. And, um, and it just happened to have, you know, with the mouth open. So it was perfect. And I love being able this, but, um, you know, look around your house and you might be surprised what you have and you don't have a over the top slipper like this, but you're working on S blends, you know, you can say, okay, do I put it in the slipper or should I put it in the cup or something, you know, where you're wanting them to, um, say something. So it, use what you have and you might be surprised because it's so far fetched and so different that it's going to get their attention. Um, that, and that was something that also kind of made me realize halfway through everything was, um, you know, this is a tough a time to be, um, trying to do everything digital because there are so many over the top engaging apps that these kids are probably more of them on their iPads than usual, understandably. And you're competing against that. So if you're not as much, you know, if whatever digital program that you're using is still not over the top, then that you're not going to really keep their attention. So I was trying to find all these great digital programs and stuff. And I realized it still is what they're probably doing on their free time on their iPad. Um, and so I had to bring it back to me. And then that's when I just started looking for my house. You can just look for something that's strange and unusual and unexpected. And that's a great way to try to grab their attention. So if you have a little one and they are just not responding to what your games or something that you're trying to show on the screen, then just take it back to, you know, something that's unusual, unexpected, that will be like, what is she doing in there? And that's usually how I get their attention to come back to me. So, you know, I'll get a stinky shoe or I'll get a stinky slipper or something like that. And that can make them think that, you know, Miss Rachel really is going crazy over there <laughs> and it, you know, it gets their attention. <laughs> so, and at the unusual or unexpected, yes. it's a good thing to remember. I love it. Um, and then for, um, I remember you were talking a little bit about using the iPad. Is that something that can you tell us a little bit about how that went and how you used it? Yeah, I um I was using, you know, all of the um all of the iPad apps and everything that everybody was I feel like when everybody had to start switching over to teletherapy, it was like an overwhelming amount of sharing of websites that were free subscriptions and this and that and I did all of them. Um but again, I caught myself getting more in the situation of um dead time when you're clicking around and everybody knows that when you're working with preschoolers face to face you can't have any like downtime or dead time or quiet um and so i stopped using a lot of the apps and just you know again would go back to the the actual toys and materials one thing that i recently i know a lot of people have been sharing this on instagram with um 
using either a document camera or an Osmo, O-S-M-O. They're very expensive though. They're both expensive options. Um, I did the Osmo because I can use it also with my daughter. Um, it's like an educational device, but it's expensive. And I, I almost feel guilty even recommending it sometimes because it's an investment, but the basics of it is that it's got something that you can buy just the base and the reflector and it's got a little camera, a little mirror in it and you put it on top of your iPad camera. And so what it, what it allows you to do is reflect um, something to your computer because if you screen share that. Um, so, you know, when I put this on, of course, and I had an iPad Pro, which they don't fit that well with, which is another thing to make sure, but it looks like this. And so I can hold something in front of it and it works as a document camera. Um, and I like using the document because I can really use sensory bins again um, and I can have it out and then that worried about like spilling all my stuff, but I just hold it out in front of the document camera. It's not something that is super necessary. It's just another way to switch things up. Um, I've heard of other people using, where they're kind of like digging a, um, they're putting like their iPads up on something and they're just using the camera and then screen sharing their iPad that way. Um, and that's another great way to do it. If you are playing a game and, um, you know, you can just use the camera of your iPad. All of these things, if you Google anything or look on YouTube, there's tutorials of how to do anything under the sun. Um, but those are two things. I think that if you're going to invest in something, you know, a document camera or using the, the camera in your iPad is a great option. Kind of opens up some more things you can do. Yeah, and the Facebook groups have been super helpful too. So if you're curious about something and you can't find a Google answer or YouTube video, um, I, there's lots of us, like everyone has been so incredibly generous and like, hey, I was wondering how like speech therapists use this thing. And I bet you'll get like tons of ideas. Definitely. And, and you know, and that's um, another great way that I've just started kind of picking up on that I'm going to start looking into is try to find some OTs and see how they're doing therapy. Um, and because with OT, they have to do all hands-on stuff. And I started realizing that they were kind of, they're using their laptops, they're bending the laptop down a little bit forward so that it can see their hands and they're doing Play-Doh and they're doing activities like that. Um, now is a time more than ever to just try to collaborate with other um, professionals because I think everyone's trying to figure out how to make it work. And um, you know, you can do things without having to spend just tons of money on and do what, what the kid is used to. Um, that I think is, is easy, more beneficial and more engaging than trying to, um, you know, use something that's like, like, um, like different websites and stuff. There are great sites out there. I just, um, that's sort of what I've kind of gone back to now. Yeah. And so. every, and every SLP has different approaches. So it's like, it's cool to hear what because we've had a bunch of SLPs share on the series now too. So you kind of like see what works for you and then kind of adapt it and make it your own. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think this is so awesome. Just getting all the ideas. And I think 
is that to give um, yourself a bit of a break and um, to do the type of therapy that you're comfortable with because this is already un something that you're not familiar with. So, you know, um, I think that at trying to learn too many things at the same time is very difficult and you have to kind of just each week maybe, okay, I'm going to try to figure out how to do this one thing or um, I'm going to try this activity or this game or something and see if that works. But, um, you know, take it easy on yourself as well and, and do what is, what is best for you and what you're uh, feel comfortable with. Yeah, perfect. Um, and then can we talk through just like a couple hypothetical examples? Um, so let's say we're prepping for a session tomorrow with a four-year-old who's working on um, S blends and like, what would be another good goal? Do you think? Um, so for like my, a lot of my kids were working on just MLU Spanish or requesting is a huge thing with a lot yeah. of my, um, little ones. And I, for instance, today, um, you know, we were just really working on the requesting like, I want the, or I need the, um, activities. And I just had my, you know, pop up pirate, and this is what we've done this in the past with them, and um, and I just held it up. Of course, um, the session, my daughter ended up crashing, <laughs> so my daughter was in there, um, you know, ahead of time, and and they took turns, and it was, you know, I had my little sentence strip, and I said, okay, remember, you know, I want the, and so it was almost like she was telling me the sword that she wanted, and I was putting it in here, and then my daughter was putting in another. And before, if you have a kid at home, um, just ask the parents, like, is it okay if they pop in for a game, like an activity like this? Because they are craving kid interaction. Um, it's, it's something that's just, they're really craving it. And so the parent, all my parents have been cool, they're, of course. And so we were working on our goal of requesting and our, um, MLU expansion and then my daughter was getting to be able to like you know kind of play with the kid and Aww. that's all it is you know pop-up pirate and they and and she was so engaged and she was just truly she didn't even tr care that I was the one putting in the swords for her but she would say I want the blue sword I want the red sword um and stuff like that so I think games like this are a great thing to invest in that if you don't already have um you can use forever but pop-up pirate I, I highly recommend anyways um I've had this one for like 10 years so yeah that's, that's one of my favorites too and then I like pop the pig yes or I think that's what it's called but you feed the pig hamburgers mm -hmm. um, they also have different colors so it works for a lot of those concepts too yeah um like do you have any other favorite games like that I do um another game that I use a lot are um, like Jack, Jack Rabbit, where you pull the carrot and, the, and eventually he pops up. Any of these kind of, they don't require a lot of, um, it's something that can be very quick, a beginning to end quickly. Um, that's what I usually like to use with preschoolers is that it's something that has like a cause and effect of pull out in push, um, requesting, you know, pull the carrot or there's a monkey version of it where they pull out the banana. Um, I like those games a lot. There's the crocodile dentist, you know, where you can do that. And it's just something that, you know, snaps and then they laugh. And um, it's, it's just something that 
again, it's different because they're watching you like hold this game that they are familiar with. So they're kind of, it, it's just something that is um, a little bit different and it grabs their attention. But I definitely think the main ones are Pop-Up Pirate, the Jack, is it Jumping Jack? Um, I think that's what it's called. And then there's a monkey version of it too. Um, those are kind of my main go-tos. Yeah, I like those for the younger students too. And it's like, it's perfect for those MLU goals and especially the ones with the colors and they can request. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it makes it a little, cause with the dentist game, they can tell you to like push it again, but there's not as much of a specific request that they can make. Right. And so at least with this, you know, they're, um, they're telling you exactly the color that they want and that they're, you know, wanting to put that in there. Um, so um, another thing that you can always do is that if you have parent involvement is ahead of time, ask them, you know, all, a lot of, most kids, they have puzzles at their house, just basic board puzzles. Um, and so I would just in an email say, do you have, you know, a farm board puzzle or a truck or whatever they've been playing and that they can, um, I'll have the parents put the pieces into a bag and then they have the board. So whatever we're doing on the screen, you know, if I'm just, if we're just kind of working on our cards and all I have to do is just hold it up. I'm just holding a card up and we're talking about the actions or we're talking about, you know, whatever the goal is. And then I'll say, okay, pick a, get a puzzle piece and they have their bag at their house um, that the parents have put the puzzle piece in and then they can pull out like a board puzzle and match it onto their own board. So, um, you know, you can always try to use their toys of what they have, but give it a little bit of a twist. So instead of having the parents just give them the board puzzle, they can put the pieces in a bag and they can only, you know, pull out each piece after you've done like a, a drill, I guess. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that idea of using what they have. Yeah. That and what's nice is that you've, you've kind of shown them a new way to play with their toys because I think, you know, all moms know how like playrooms can just be this bottomless pit and that um, you just try to, um, you know, see if they can. And also some parents might have games. And then I've even had parents say, what game is that? Because everybody's wanting to find things to kind of play with their kids. And so we even had parents like buy this game because they want to play this with their own kids because while being, you know, on lockdown. And so now you've also taught them a way to use that game while building their uh, speech and language goals. So awesome. Uh, and then, so let's just walk through like a couple more goal ideas. And if anyone has any other questions that they have for Rachel, feel free to drop them in the Q&A box too. We just have like, we have seven minutes um, of course time left. So use the, your time uh, however you'd like. Um, but let's like, what are some other common goals that you work on and just some different ideas? Because I love the like super specific kind of things. So I work on a lot of, um, you know, learning resources is a great company that I am often going to their Amazon and, and seeing which, um, what else I could use to work in therapy. There's two learning resources um, products. And again, these are plastic so that when you go back to face-to-face -face therapy, if you 
end up doing that, they're very easy to clean. So I think that they're worth the investment. They also go on sale. So always check that on Amazon. Um, one of them is these little, there's a bunch of them and they're little like gift boxes, I guess, you know, Christmas presents. And then they've got a number on them as well. And then on each side of each box has a little object. I use these, I have used these so much. This is probably one of my most used products or toys that I use. Um, because if you're just using core words, where it's just, you know, open in all those, or if you're using um, requesting where I have, okay, I've got my two boxes and I'm, you know, shaking it. Which one do you want me to open? Open the yellow box, open the green box, or open the one with number three. It, it, it works on colors, numbers, all the little objects inside. Um, and so I really like using this learning resources. I want to say it's um, learning resources, um, present boxes, maybe? Is that what it might be called? Another thing that is um, that I was just using this morning um, were these acorns that um, they go on sale because they're a little bit pricey when they're not on sale. But they have like the letter on them. And then in each inside, they'll have like a little object that is supposed to go match it up. I know in the preschool classrooms, they have this. This is a pretty common thing that, that you'll find in a preschool classroom. And, um, but for instance, today, we, I would show them, I would pull it out of it and I was like, oh, I have an acorn. It sounds like something's in there. But then I would show the letter and, um, you know, what letter is this? Tell me the sound that this letter makes. And then, um, then I would open it up and be like leaf. And so if you're doing phonological awareness stuff, you can work on the sounds. Um, and then it has a lowercase letter in there. A quick zoom tip is that there is a way, a, a way that you can click so that it, it doesn't mirror it. Is it mirroring or not mirroring where it won't reverse it? Um, Cause that is something that I, all of a sudden I realized that it was backwards for them. And then the parent would be like, it's not the right direction. <laughs> so, um, so make sure that your, your screen is the right way. But I love these because it's also an important skill for preschool. Um, you know, you're, you're checking off all your boxes. And then you're also getting another option with all these little mini objects. So those are two great um, products. But as far as things that are cheap, um, tissue paper, tissue boxes are huge. Um, these are from the dollar store. They always have characters on them. You can use it as in something that I like to always keep in mind is, is there something that I can pull out of? Or is there something that I can like put in like the shark mouth with the slipper? Or is there something that I can stick in? So pull out, put in, or stick in. Those are kind of my three ways thinking of what I can use for to switch up my activity. But this is simple. Um, you know, okay, feed it. We're going to feed it to this girl. Or, you know, what did we get? it out that way so tissue boxes are really easy to use for therapy sessions um i'm trying to think I'm trying to, um another thing that you can always do i just really encourage you to ask and use the toys that the parents ask them what they have um i have still been meaning to come up with some sort of like questionnaire and i just haven't had a chance of you know do you have any puzzles which puzzles do you have um stuff like that Again, some parents don't even reply to emails. So, um, you know, if that's not an option, I, I totally get it because a lot of times it's not yet. <laughs> um, as far as other goals, concepts are huge. 
um, big, small, and, and stuff like that. So um, I'm pulling, always pulling out of this with the farm animals. I believe this is learning resources as well. Um, and they have like a big pig and then they have a small pig. So they have a big and small for all animal, all, all the animals in the farm. And then again, this is something that you use down the road because it's something that you can put in or something that you can take out. Um, for the very little ones, I always am working on sounds. Um, or if you have a really busy kid, I will pull this up and I'll be like, oh, okay, it's time to, you know, oink like a pig and then get up and, and move around like a pig. Um, that's a big thing. You gotta let them get up and, you know, move around. The next one's a horse. Okay, let's move around and, and neigh like a horse. And then they go usually too far and then you gotta get them to come back. But getting them to act like an animal. So farm toys are always great options. You get a lot of bang for your buck with farm. Definitely. That's awesome. And I have one more question too, just about like the organization of the session. So because you said you like to use the stories, like the books. Um, so do you like do you ever have them watch that before the session? Do you watch it during? What does that look like? And how do you pair the other activities with it? So I usually like old lady, I, I do all of the old lady books, all of the blue truck books. Um, and a lot of times I do a story map with it, which is what we are usually using as a PDF. The PDF. Um, I'll mail, I'll email the story map to the parent if they are involved and they'll print it out. And so I believe that after every single page, I have to ask them something. I can't just read for a couple minutes and think that they're really listening to me. So truly after every page, you know, I'll say the truck went here, where did he just go? And you're asking after every page to kind of keep them engaged. Um, and that way they either color on their story map or they're just answering you. But um, even when you're reading, you know, like turn the page, okay, turn the page and, and stuff like that. You're just keeping them engaged the whole time. Um, and same with, with, for doing books, I'm constantly pausing it. Um, and so. Yeah, and then you just try and pair like different activities that go along with that. Whatever the theme. So like old ladies swallowed a cow, then we're gonna do farm animals and we're gonna do, um, you know, we'll try to keep it like that. It is harder during teletherapy to stick to a theme, but it helps to play, remember what you have. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Oh. Well, that brings us to the end of our chat. Thank you so much for Great. all of your amazing ideas. I love just like the specific, just super awesome things that we could, we could just go look around our houses, pull some stuff together and have some fun therapy uh, for tomorrow. So thank you so much for sharing your time. Super grateful. And yeah, thanks to everyone who joined us. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for Talking Teletherapy. Please visit the speechtherapypd.com slash teletherapy site for information about upcoming episodes and webinars. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. Thanks again for joining us and listening in, and I hope you have an amazing week. See you soon.